Hello and welcome to episode 82 of Prosperity by the Pine. I'm your host, Bryce Carter, certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant, certified investment management analyst, and self-proclaimed millennial money expert. It's a podcast where we talk about money, investing, business, and life success, all while having a cold beer. Cold beer of the week comes from New Holland Brewing. It is their Passion Blaster Rose Ale. Uh, it's, a, it's an ale with raspberry and apple flavors, so it's a fruity ale. We are drinking... A fruity ale on this December day. Cheers. Woo! It is as described. A little bit tart on that, but not bad at all. I Give it a drink. Um, this week's episode, episode 82, the case for index funds. Okay. So I'm going to drop some knowledge on you, and uh, I hope you guys are uh, ready to go along for the ride. So here's the thing is that there is this almost allure of Wall Street and, and, and investors and financial advisors and the talking heads on CNBC, and everybody kind of uh, listens to them as if they all have this magic eight ball, as if they know what they're, what's going to happen next and they can pick and time and move the markets. And that's really not very accurate. So there is a tremendous amount of academic research out there indicating that active managers, those are people that are in the role of, of trying to pick and uh, choose different stocks or bonds, uh, underperform their benchmark. Now, their benchmark would be something like the S&P 500. The S&P 500, for simplicity's sake, is basically the 500 largest companies in the U.S. Now, they have some filters for um, liquidity of the company, a certain number of shares that are allowed to be traded, et cetera, et cetera. But the S&P 500 is basically the largest 500 companies in the U.S. So this this research basically comes to the conclusion that markets are efficient, which that means is that all known information, relatively public uh, readily available public information is accounted for and perfectly priced into the markets. And therefore, as you try and get an advantage over other market participants, you're very unlikely to do so because all the factors are already known. And so once you factor in the cost of trying to beat other managers, because let's, you know, you're not playing, uh, you're not, not playing against uh, ping pong against the table here, right? You're playing against somebody else that is also trying to beat you in the market. So you have smart managers that are educated, that know finance, that know stocks, that know investing, and they're all trying to beat each other, right? And then you have individuals, uh, retail investors, as they call them, that are, are participating and just want to go along for the ride to improve their lives and improve their financial position and, and, and improve their retirement outlook, right? And so the, the research essentially concludes, and it's essentially unanimous, that active managers, by and large, underperform the index after you factor in costs, fees, right? Because if you're going to go ahead and try and, 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 and beat the market, you're going to try and beat the index, you have to hire research assistants, you have to hire uh, staff to manage and, and, and administrate that, you have to have the, the actual effect of making those trades, which is a cost to trading, even though trading commissions are zero, there's still a cost of going in and out of stocks and positions and things like that, right? So active managers, more or less, are, are saying that we're not only going to beat the market, but we're going to beat the market after our costs, which has been done and can be done, but is extremely difficult. And statistically, the odds of somebody that has done it in the past continuing to do it is very, very low. Right. So now active managers don't necessarily argue these facts, 
but they have reasonings as to why the the facts are distorted, not in their favor, if you will. So the counter argument goes something like this. Benchmarks are not an apple to apple comparison. This is true. Uh, so if you are a, um, let's say you're a, a balanced manager, right? And your, your balanced fund targets investing 50% in stocks and 50% in bonds, and you're being compared against a balanced index that is 60% stocks and 40% bonds, you are going to underperform over the long term because you own a lower percentage of stocks. Now, that might be your investment thesis, investment philosophy. You're designed to be a little bit lower risk, a little slower growth fund. And so to compare you to a more aggressive fund is not, not necessarily fair. I will give them that argument. Um, in many cases, though, you'll see a manager pick their benchmark, and if they're still underperforming, then it's like, okay, well, yeah, but you picked your benchmark. So, like, if I'm going to bet on myself in a race, I'm probably not going to pick that I'm going to beat a horse. I might beat that I can beat a, a pick that I can beat a, a turtle in a horse in a, a horse in a race, right? But I'm not going to pick uh, an animal that I know I'm going to lose against. And that's essentially if a manager is going to go ahead and take less risk than their benchmark, they're picking a benchmark that is going to outperform them over the long term, right? Um, the other arguments. So we have active managers do better on the downside. We're going to get to this in a minute because. Uh, this would be the year to prove your poison, right? So if actors do act, if managers do better when the markets are crashing, then they should have been all just, woo, we're doing great in February and March, right? Because they're moving to be better at the downside. I think that there is maybe some truth to that, but I don't know that it's enough to outweigh the benefits of perhaps indexing. Now, so if this is the year that that indexing should, or active managers should really shine versus index investing, we should see that in the numbers. Now, there's this really, really great uh, report, active report that you see uh, that the S&P 500 Dow Jones Company, and that's what they're called, does it. They call it the SPIVA report, the S&P versus active managers. So S&P versus S uh, active managers, they do this on an annual basis, and they also update it semi-annually, which is halfway through the year. So the last numbers as, are as of June. So this is what I wanted to give everybody, uh, kind of the idea, and this is my case for index funds. I'm going to take a quick beer break here with this delicious, fresh, tropic, satisfying 6% alcohol by volume ale. It's good, man. It's a little tart. It's more like more like a candy than a beer, but it's good. So this is the percentage of large cap funds that have underperformed the S&P 500 over the last five, three, and one years. So underperformers, okay? Now... Like I said, we should see better numbers on the one year than we do on the five year, right? Because if they're going to do better on underperformance. Okay, so let's see. So uh, one year, 63% of underperformed over the last three. And this is the period ending June 30th, 2020. Over the last three years, 71% have underperformed. And over the last five years, a whopping 77.97, we'll call it 78%, 78% have underperformed over the last five years. That is large cap funds to the S&P 500. So that is a comparable index situation, right? That's apples to apples. So they have done a little bit better over the one year. The question mark is, will that, will that continue? And even when they, they do do better, it appears that over time, even if managers are able to outperform in the short term over time, they will not be able to consistently do that. So 
what Bryce, what about other market segments, right? That's just large cap stocks. Well, I took a look at that. And then Spiva actually takes a very, very detailed look at this. And what they're essentially saying, and the data shows across the board is in a short term fashion, there is a percentage of managers that can outperform. But that percentage of managers goes smaller and smaller and smaller over three years, five years, 10 years, and 15 years. So by the time you get to a five-year period, even though we have uh, some snapshots in the one and the three, by the time you get to a five-year period, more than 50% of managers underperform, more than 50 underperform. So half or are, are more are terrible, not terrible, but they're underperforming. So more than half underperform on a five-year period in all but three categories that this particular uh, report shows. And they have, um, I'm going to ballpark it and say about 20 categories on here. Those three categories are mid-cap growth, small-cap growth, and REITs, um, United States Real Estate Investment Trusts. So in 17 out of 20 categories, more than 50%, and in some, it's dramatic, 78%, 80% underperform the benchmarks. And so the idea that that you can, one, all right, this is what you have to do, is you have to pick the manager that's going to outperform, and then that manager has to outperform. So you're double duty in it, right? If you're trying to pick active funds, you're basically saying, not only do I believe active funds can outperform, I believe I can be the one that can pick the active funds that are going to outperform. So you're going to take of the large cap 500, right? You're going to you're going to be the one that's going to pick the 22% that can beat the benchmark. You're willing to pay the higher fees. You're willing to 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 push your chips into that barrel that you're going to say I can be the one that can pick that. And I think there are certain segments of the market where it may make sense. I think there's an argument to downside protection. But this is what I will say is by and large for the vast majority of investors using simple index funds that just buy the index and using a variety of indexes, large indexes, mid indexes, small indexes, emerging market indexes, international bonds, so on and so forth. Yeah, I didn't even get into fixed income on this, which is bonds. Bond active managers in many cases are are not doing so hot either. They're doing really, really poorly compared to the indexes as well. Um, So, what, what, what I think you're better off doing is just using the indexes as lower fee. You know you're going to get the, the average. And by, if you buy and you stay in, you're going to outperform the average because the average person, the average investor, makes behavioral mistakes that gets in and out and in and out. So as long as you can go along for the ride, stay in it, stay disciplined, stay with the plan, you're going to be an outperforming investor. So, yes. You might be settling for average in your funds, but your overall performance is going to be better because you're 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 staying with a disciplined strategy. Not to do, not to disparage all active managers because I think some fill a vital role and I think some can outperform, but I think statistically speaking, let's put the facts at, at play and say clearly seventy eight percent of U.S. large cap funds underperform. So. And here's the other counter argument that I'm going to make to this is if you think as an individual investor, you can pick and choose different stocks and outperform managers. I, I think that that's wishful thinking. I mean, these these are not dumb people that are running these funds. You don't become a mutual fund manager, an ETF manager by being uneducated. Right. So I, I think it's difficult. I, I think 
some of the other things I've talked about throughout my podcast about having a strategy, willing to own stocks for super long periods of time, um, buying businesses, not not trading stocks, uh, limiting the percentage that you own in any one given stock, et cetera, et cetera. I think those things can put odds in more in your favor, but it doesn't mean that you're going to be able to out trade the mutual fund managers. By and large, for the majority of most investors' net worth should be in probably index funds, low cost well diversified. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Prosperity by the Pine. I hope you enjoyed. Cheers. And don't forget to subscribe, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, wherever you listen. That's where we are. Cheers. The topics that I discuss in this podcast are meant to be general information and educational only. I'm not giving you specific advice because I don't know you personally. In order to give you specific advice, you should work with an advisor or someone that can learn your specific situation and give you advice that applies to you. If I talk about a specific security, please keep in mind I'm not recommending that security. And don't forget, investing involves risk. When you invest, there's always the possibility of losing capital, which is why you should consult with a qualified, licensed financial advisor prior to investing.